You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live from the Diamantina Shire in the uh, Queensland Channel country. Uh, you're with myself, Clancy Overall, editor, and of course, editor at large, Errol Parker. And today we're joined by um, two guests based out of the wild, wild west of West End in uh, in Brisbane. We've got uh, Dr. Chelsea Bond and Angelina Hurley. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is the Wild Black Women podcast. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and likewise, uh, you know, with with your, with your program, obviously on every Friday across the NERS National Digital Radio Network and online. It's an interesting time right now in the, I guess, global and Australian news cycle where this interesting things happened, where we haven't had much live sport, we haven't had any live music, and uh, we really haven't had much reality TV. So um, the world was able to just kind of sit back and focus on this thing called police brutality for a little bit. Mm. And it resulted in nationwide protests in Australia and around the world. Around yeah. the world, but for the first time, we've actually seen the American, you know, African American community and other minority groups mobilise in a way certainly haven't seen in my lifetime. And that's why we thought we'd we'd have you guys on today. We, and we know you've touched on a lot of this stuff on your show. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think this, you know, the protests we saw in Australia, which obviously they tried to shut down in some states, do you think they've just been sitting there latent? Do you think? It was a perfect storm for us to talk about these things, or do you think it was well and truly time? Black Fellows have long campaigned for the rights of other people, not just ourselves. Yeah. It's we haven't just been committed to the you know black people's lives. We've been committed to you know concern about treatment of um, people seeking asylum. There's a long history of our activists doing the work for everybody. But uh, you know up here in Mianjin, Alyssa Baldwin and Get Up led the candlelight vigil in solidarity with um, the US, but also in uh, remembrance of the black fellows who died in custody. And so I think there's this thing about. Um, there is a moment where black fellas who have long stood in solidarity with black people globally, uh, we're seeing that play out. I think sometimes it's frustrating because it's not reciprocated by other black people. Mm. And in part of these conversations, I mean, I've been having arguments with people who are insisting that, you know, uh, Aboriginal people, people in the Pacific aren't black mm. and that we can't be saying black lives matter about ourselves. Mm. There is an opportunity to have mm. a conversation about what black solidarity is in a local mm. and a global context. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I noticed you guys, particularly in Brisbane, bigger IRA sympathiser hotspot there too. So a lot of solidarity with the Fenians over there on the Emerald Island. <laughs> so just the other day we saw that um, Scott Morrison, he said there was no slavery in our history. And for all we know, he probably mm-hmm. thinks that's the truth. How much do you think this real issue stems from a lack of education? I don't think there's any uh, an excuse to use that excuse anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Black people have been doing the work for a very long yeah, time, yeah. even uh, under the that umbrella of there's not enough information and education out there. Yes, there is. There's heaps. Yeah, right. I think it's just Google. Yeah, hello. <laughs> but even, yeah. <laughs> they got technology now. It's not hard. <laughs> Which they invented all of it, as they continue to remind us, because we didn't even come up with the wheel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we often say it's about education, and a lot of black girls take an educative approach to racism as though if we just tell them that, yes, this happened to us, that then they'll go, oh, yes, 
yeah. I forgot that we like massacred mm. black people here and that we enslaved them, mm. uh, even though it was in our legislation, like for, like embedded and written in. Like we have an education system designed by the colonizers mm. that reproduces the lies this place has told about itself, including the doctrine of terra nullius. And I've been whinging about my daughter's you know high school assignment in the week of the Mabo mm. decision anniversary where she had to write an assignment that looked at the different perspectives on the decision and the pros and cons because it was controversial and mm -hmm. so we actually are making black people <laughs> the pros uh, and cons of Mabo it's not my first rodeo with crazy assignments. I'm not sure what their pedagogical approach is, but I do ask them about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had this one where the, finally one of in year six history, my son, that in that semester they were looking at the, the Protection Act and stolen uh, children. And literally the first task was to talk about the pros and cons. And there was, I kid you not, a table that said pros and cons that he had to write down. In, in the classroom? Um, and... In the classroom, okay. and they also got a letter that the teacher decided to show the um, Rabbit Proof Fence movie because, of course, that's the only oh, Yeah. <sighs> anyway, so they, they had to watch that in class, but before they did, every parent in that class got a letter which said, you know, explaining why they are watching the video and that the children could elect to not watch the video if they, if they didn't want to. Yeah, a bit like... So uh, you can still pick and choose what yeah, kind of yeah. history you want to make these things do. Pick and choose, yeah, yeah, right. Because hmm. it reminds me of a school trip I went on in high school and they took us, Brisbane Mob, down to Sydney and they took us on a little trip out to um, Rouse Hill where that big mansion is standing on, you know, Colonial Mansion is standing on the hill and as soon as you walk through the first through the front door, there's like artefacts yeah. and nullinullas and stuff all over the walls and all in the in the in the hallway as you walk in, and then there's this big diorama of little miniature farmers and and colonists, and one little black fella way up the back, standing in the corner of this big field, and one of the kids asked the curator, the Miglu curator, going, "Oh, there's one Aboriginal person. What happened to them?" And she said, "I don't know. I think they all just left." Mm. <laughs> 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 and this mansion overlooks this big hill where they actually pushed all the black fallers off the hill and massacred oh. them and made them kill themselves. And I'm like, I put my hand up and I went, no, nah, I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you call dispersal, we call genocide. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just left. Those, just po I get, those pioneers would be disappointed what their beautiful Rouse Hill looks like nowadays with all the WRXs getting around and the uh, quiet yeah, streets. Yeah. <laughs> a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Wild West out yeah. there now. Uh, so you're saying we need more sad. dioramas in the classrooms. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Chuck a few more Aborigines in there. Yeah. <laughs> With malamals in their hands. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Gene in the Australian media, um, obviously, Samantha Armitage is getting a bit of international kind of traction. Hashtag yours. Uh, you want to tell your woman how to behave? Yeah. Yeah, she, um... Put your woman in line there. She's out of control. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll make sure that we uh, we get a message to her. But she's yeah. uh, 
but oh yes yeah, she's well, all upset she's been taken to court for racial, so <laughs> for was, racial was that the one where they had um, Prue McSween conservative commentator <laughs> red wine conservative from Melbourne and they had like the Brisbane uh, A-League reporter on a panel on Sunrise that was really mm-hmm. clutching uh, well, just a correction it's it's Prue rising like a phoenix McSween oh, I'll back. have you know um <laughs> Rising like a phoenix to insist that there should be another stolen generation. Didn't get it right the first time. Mm. Only proof she's gold. It was, <laughs> it was an interesting comment because she managed to get Sunrise viewers offside with that, which means yeah. it's pretty much- <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard thing to do. That deserves a lobby. Yeah. <laughs> pretty red <Get> hot. A <laughs> <laughs> it was bo- It was brave commentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they hand them out um, in the court, really, do they? No. <laughs> Only, uh... um, no. <laughs> no. Oh, bless them. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, 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 I just love, because everyone's, the fact that the world's, like, clued on to Sam Armitage and that, that clip about the twins. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> And it's like, wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She said. I'm too excited. There's a file. <laughs> That's why I'm sorry, I can't believe this is on Australian TV. Really? <laughs> I turn it on every day. Is that the clip that they roll when they're trying to explain what unco- unconscious bias is when she says, <laughs> Oh, yeah. that so, word. Yeah. So this, this, twin, yeah. this twin has come out white. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> What a strike of luck! <laughs> 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 oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> obviously, um, obviously, Australian media is diversifying slowly. We've got, of course, Wild Black Women podcast. We've got, you know, obviously. Can someone tell Waleed that because he got confused and thought there was no black media <laughs> yeah. a minute ago? Yeah. <laughs> he thinks there's no indigenous voices in media. There, there seems to be a running thread where the uh, yeah. the wild black women um, they talk about Waleed Ali. Many of a lot of the mm-hmm. rednecks will tell you um, Waleed Ali is the biggest lefty that ever lived, and he's a uh, <laughs> he, he's a snowflake snowflake virtue signaller inside the tent. The wild black women podcast, anyway, uh, have different views on the man. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I mean, this is how bad it is that the people, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, the whole thing that race and racism is a product of left and right politics is a lot of nonsense, firstly. Mm. All settlers benefit from racism because that was the, that's the, that's, that's how, it's how they're here mm. on this, this, this the, the, the promise of race that they constructed in which we were not even human. So that, that's the foundation of our dispossession. So all settlers benefit from that. And so it's not about whether it's Labor or Liberal it's, mm-hmm. or, or Greens even. Some articulate their racism in a more sophisticated way. And so Waleed is problematic, but I, mean, he's, I don't even think he's... Is he left-leaning? He's very central on the show. It's like Joe Hildebrand claiming he's middle centre. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I guess all the motorbikes yeah. on Facebook reckon Waleed's a lefty. Yeah. All yeah, the- right. And this is how bad it is. That that's seen as that, that sort of extreme left or whatever and go, oh, no, yeah. that's actually really conservative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how messed up this place is. Yeah. For me, it was that it was like naivety in me that, that lives in hope that there's a, 
a coloured person on TV and they might actually be on our side. It's yeah. a Trevor Noah experience. It's the, oh, my God, which I should never have even bothered to say. Don't say his name. It, don't say it. Don't mention them dimples. <laughs> yeah, Wally was like that for me. I was like, <laughs> when he started, I was like, ah, oh, you know, it's not an Indigenous person, but there's a brown person on Good TV. Enough. You know, maybe he'll he'll brown here. Say, <laughs> maybe they'll say something in solidarity with us, but no good. Um, Black people have long been, you know, <laughs> hanging on any brown person being on television as some kind of hope. I know. <laughs> In the absence of the Aborigines, I know. I that than Chris Lilly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, do you want to hear my little recent experience about when they were doing the the memorial in the park with the candles mm. that day? I went to a coffee shop on the way to ninety eight nine, and I grabbed a coffee from. I won't out the ethnicity, should I, or just not? Or just because I don't want to be like that. I don't even know where you're going with this. Okay. Yeah, come on. Okay. Keep so, digging. Keep digging. Keep digging. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went and grabbed a coffee. And I've been going in there for years. Yeah. And they've never asked. They've just treated me like the nice, you know, black person that comes and gets a coffee, whatever. Mm-hmm. Never questioned me. And they said to me, oh, do you work for Sisters Inside? And I was, I was like, what? No. And, that, <laughs> and I was like, no, I work for the Aboriginal radio station on the hill. And they all stopped literally together and stared at me for like three seconds, the whole room. <laughs> and then I went, you know, the Aboriginal radio station on the hill. So I spoke real slow. She went, oh, yes, I thought I saw something about on the news last night in, in West End. She said, um, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, they had a vigil in the park. And she said, oh, was it violent? <laughs> And I went, it was effing candles in a park. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Well, I actually got pitchforks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, but from the drawing, you couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like, I had, I, by that stage, I had had my, I've got my huge hot coffee in my hand. Yeah. I was just like, I'm not coming, swearing at myself in the car. I'm not buying coffee from here. Well, it's just probably, it's, probably, yeah. I mean, it, it's a, Candlelight Vigil in Musgrave Park, which you could have been confused with the Greek club where they've been throwing mold of cocktails at the US Embassy over there in, in Athens. Yeah. yeah. I mean they really yeah, know I... how they really know how to hold yeah. a candlelight vigil. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so what what are you, what are your thoughts on Australian media? Obviously there's not much of an effort. I think Brooke Boney has it would be the first black face on Breakfast TV for sure in Australia. And do you think that kind of leads into it? We we can you can say that the uh, you know education uh, is no longer an excuse, but do you think the, the there is a selective history? And this, you know, like, as you said before, you can opt out of watching Rabbit Proof Fence in primary school, um, and the Australian media can kind of opt out of discussing Black Lives Matters at a level outside of COVID nineteen violations and uh, looting. Do you think? Do you think that plays a big part in the in the actual psyche? Yeah, I mean, I have to thank Australian media. I mean, we have a show because of it, yeah. um, because <laughs> how bad it is, um, and the fact that you know, we so like I share a lot of your your headlines and stuff on social media, and you always get the black fellows who get wild about the headlines because they don't realise that they're not real headlines. But in this place, you can't tell the difference on yeah. many days. I mean, they, they, they trumped you on the whole uh, getting the Order of Australia for Tony Abbott for yeah. his service to Indigenous communities. That should have been your headline. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel dropped? <laughs> well, Tony, uh, well, maybe maybe you actually had that headline and then they've just, you know, yeah. like imitating parts. Well, some yeah. people saying the award was based off the, all, all his good work that they were reading in our newspaper. That's uh, Oh, so it's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just I mean, sometimes just... I feel like 
we've just been highlighting his good work. No one else has because, um, you know, there's a leftist agenda in the Australian yeah. media. To- <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, look, I think the conversation about uh, media representation has to go beyond counting black people. We, it's about a conversation around content. Mm-hmm and uh, uh, the kind of criticality that's needed in this moment. I mean, because in the course of, you know, um, with this moment, this movement, so many black fellows I've spoken to are reliving the trauma of racial violence. Mm. They're going, I don't know, I just thought of this time when I was four mm-hmm. and I saw this and this happened. Like people mm. are actually playing this out every day at the moment. Yep. And then when we read these headlines and these stories that are just wrong, that are just so insulting and offensive, it's a form of violence. Mm. And so Australian media is, is brutalising black people in real time right now. We do a show that's specifically designed to nourish the souls of black fellas, in particular black women, mm. and to laugh at the outright craziness. But underneath that, this stuff is violent and hurtful. And, and we're just kind of trying to reclaim a space to, 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 re- to remember what it is to be human in a world that continues to dehumanise us in the name of news and facts. Yeah. Mm. When we know it's not factual. I mean, the PM with the slavery thing. Oh, God. This is our prime minister. Yeah. Yes. Now, you, meant, you mentioned before we yeah. started recording, you started mentioning it wasn't just obviously the South Sea Islander community of, of which you uh, you have South Sea Islander heritage, uh, Dr. Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't just Melanesian, Polynesian kind of indentured servants that, that, that put into this unpaid labour regime. There was also a lot of um, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that is certainly not discussed in any oh. dioramas. <laughs> yeah, there was no, Well... Yeah, I first had experience of that all along those camp fields up and down the East Coast, Garang Garang Mob. Um, there's a whole huge diversity of um, ethnicities there and, and, and predominantly Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander and South Sea Islander because, you know, as happens, as intermarriages. Mm. So most of that mob are all my family and they all worked as slaves on the cane fields. My mother comes from a mission. Her family was removed from Claremont um, and treated as a slave as a domestic, went out and never saw any wages. From the age of 13, she was made to service rich white people and look after their kids and cook and clean from four in the morning until whenever they decided to go to bed. Missed out on a whole schooling. So, yeah, everyone's got a first-hand experience of the slavery imposed and the oppression imposed on Aboriginal Torres older people in the workforce. Like children were enslaved yeah. in our lifetime. Like this is like mother. Like yeah. We're not talking great, great, great seventh no. generation. No, we're talking about yeah. our generation right ago. now. I did this explain um, uh, to Tim or Tom, whatever his name was last night. <laughs> in Queensland, we had the Protectionist Act the, uh, from the 1890s through to the 1960s. Every black fellow can basically will, will articulate their family tree by that act in terms of where mob were put on what missions mm. and reserve systems. So every mm. single Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person under that legislation were made wards of the state, like could not do anything yeah. without permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and under that, because uh, we were expected to die out, and when we didn't die out, we got sent off on these working and trained as a labor, cheap labour force. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing, campaign, which I, people might have heard of, stolen wages. Only Leslie mm-hmm. Williams has been fighting for a long time to get that money back. I mean... I never got paid. Like, how is this I not slavery? And not to mention the abuse of young Aboriginal girls during that time yeah, that were sent out to work at 14. Yeah. Uh, we know where the half-caste menace came from, and that was the sexual exploitation of girls sent to work mm. on these properties. 
an but, uncle of mine who passed away only last year, was, I remember the storytelling, he said, how come you guys didn't get sent to a mission in that area? It was because the, the local farmers in the cane wanted slave labour. So they got all the Aboriginal people and all the Islander people to work for them for nothing or, you know, very yeah. little. So they got to stay on land, like that was a privilege because, you know, they didn't get it shipped away to a mission because, you know, they needed people to work the land. And so sometimes when I hear, get in trouble for this, but sometimes when I hear farmers complaining about stuff, mm, <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah, I'm not on that side. <laughs> <Just say> that. <laughs> yeah. Not today, yeah. Alexis, not today. No, you're in a drought. Oh. Yeah, you tell us you don't get caught up in the drought porn, do you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Still got five kids at boarding school. It's all right. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> and a Land Cruiser. Yeah. You're lucky I'm back. <laughs> Help me. L- luxury off of the vehicles. <laughs> Work cars. An interesting thing we're, we're obviously seeing and hearing a lot more about during these Black Lives Matters protests is the concept of the ally. Saw a lot of them in Bristol the other day. It looked like a lot of white people pulling down statues. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the biggest marches in the country over the weekend. Brisbane's always been a hotbed for uh, the heart of kind of protest in Australia, particularly under the late Sir Joe. Mm. But you hear yarns coming out from up there, particularly from you know the Black Panthers chapter that they had in Brisbane, that there were these surprising allies they had. And one I remember hearing from Arnie Marlene Cummins was the Quakers were uh, were kind mm. of discreetly funding all of these <laughs> Aboriginal <laughs> rights organisations. Um, who knows? The Quakers were comrades. Uh, who else have you noticed along the way or, or, or you've read about in history that, that might have been discreetly... Um... You just have to go back to Arnie Udrinunakul, uh, who yeah. was in the war, who served, and who used to uh, walk and march with the Communist Party and got crap for it because she was just trying to give an Indigenous voice, a feminist voice to her people and who she was as an Aboriginal woman. And that's the only place that she could do it because she was an inlet in the, the white women, the normal white women's marches and protests. <laughs> so she had to, she was, you know, who used to walk with the Communist Party. <laughs> so, of course, she was, like, added as a commie and a this and a that. She was just trying to have her voice heard and her... When you're 3%, you've got to take support wherever it comes to It's a numbers game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. You're, you're not getting um, that from the you're not getting that from the temperance suffragettes. You've got to march with the communists. No, no, no. Um, but I think, you know, and that's the thing. It's, there is a conversation we have. I mean, we're we're having a conversation about what is black solidarity, but there is a conversation about what does it mean to be a good ally. And mm. I'm going to make my own, my own checklist. Um, yeah. I, look, please, I, it's, please, do for the us, work for our sake. Yeah. We're so gonna, we're gonna... do the work. Turn up. But also know your place. Yeah. Um, don't center your feelings or remind people of your labor that you're contributing, which you can withdraw the moment you don't like something that any black critique you get subjected to. <laughs> what else, Edge? Uh, but um, be prepared to get locked up. Mm. What else? Don't appropriate culture and start selling t shirts. Um, yeah. What's the Socialist name? Alliance but, yeah. uh, pamphlets. <laughs> yes, it's not a time to sell your merch to recruit your members. That's not solidarity. And I, and you know there are some there's some awesome white people who go unnamed in the course of their, their work, and that's good allyship. That mm. it's like you no, know, we and because all of us do that in different spaces, mm. and we just turn up to amplify to back someone else up. Um, yeah. And so I think there is this important conversation to have. We need people to, I mean, I encourage people to exercise their white privilege by getting angrier 
because the indignant, angry white woman can change the world. Karen. She can see your manager in a, in a second. Karen, um, Karen's for Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Hey, use your powers for good instead of evil, and we won't we won't mock your hair. Um, all your dance moves. All your dance moves. Oh, that one. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, so you're telling the Karens of the world, maybe when there is a protest, don't get up on stage at Musgrave Park. You don't need to talk into the microphone right now. No, <laughs> no. Go help clean up the park. Some rubbish and hand out hand sanitizer. Be a medic. Yeah, like do some work um, and just go. I'm here to help. Tell me what to do. And yeah, the elders tea. <laughs> yes, oh, so this is a big job. Be of service to black people. That's right. That's it. That's the list. Yeah. yeah. Just be of service to black people, mm. including getting roused by them, because we all get roused by black people. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you tell us what it was like to meet um, Trevor Noah? Oh. Yeah. He has an international platform. Perhaps it wasn't the, the circumstances, uh, the ideal circumstances that led to you meeting Trevor Noah. Can you just tell uh, the listeners a little bit about that experience with speaking of allies? <laughs> or as, as um, Amir said the other week, with brown men who've let us down. Um, <laughs> I mean, people know he told that joke about, well, Aboriginal women, sorry, mm. Aboriginal women being ugly but sexually available, basically, and put us in a separate category from black women yeah. who are beautiful and all women are beautiful kind of, you know, joke to at least we know, you know, because apparently we play didgeridoos, you know, we could give good head if anything else. And this joke was five years ago. And we want to, and, and he was saying, like, this is in the past, it was so long ago. It was literally bookended between Me Too and Black Lives Matter, if you look at the timeline. Yeah. Mm. So this. Well, just, yeah, found out about it just before he took off on his Australian tour. It was like, <laughs> really? He's coming yeah. here with that joke and he ain't going to get called out? I don't think so. And we used to play him yeah. a lot. Yeah. Well, I love the Daily Show. What we learned from that whole, that whole affair. Yep. was that they're a fantastic writers for The Daily Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the writers are brilliant. You were waiting. And he can read a script it. like it's his own. Yeah, he yeah, can right. perform and read a script. Is that what, is that what he said? He said he didn't write that. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. In terms of his politics, right. we thought we knew him by The Daily Show, that yeah, that's right. his value system. Yeah. But what he did when he came to our country, when he sat in front of three black women who act... We, we did the educative approach with him. We were open-palmed. Mm. Uh, I mean, we did bring in Mariki to lay the, the groundwork, but we were, were generous with him because yeah. we saw him as a brother. Yeah. And then we realised that he didn't see us as sisters. Yeah, right. Yeah. He, he just didn't see us as that. And so, and the way in which he, his responses, just he contradicted what he says on the show. And it was like, oh, okay, that's a script. Mm. You have writers for that show. Yeah. You just know how to perform. Mm. Bit of and a he's a good performer. <laughs> yeah, hey. yeah, they're probably give nice. them an auto cue and they're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you waiting at the airport for him? How did it all go down? How did you ambush him? I want to know about that. <laughs> Friendly Omi, bless him, because mm. we were all excited about he's coming to Australia, you know, and and everything. Friendly Omi on Facebook puts that clip up, yeah, and just tags all the sisters in and stuff. I'm in Luxembourg editing a textbook. And I'm jet lagged and can't sleep, and I'm seeing this play out, and I'm just wild. So I do a Twitter thread <laughs> talking about, about this, and you know the how um, black people in the US and globally let us down when they fail to see us as black. Mm. So Uncle Trev slid into my DMs, oh, and was like, "Yeah, on the front Chelsea, foot. On um, the front foot. Right. 
Uh, no DPs uh, <laughs> for the kids at home. No DPs. But um, and then he's like, "Oh, look, when I come to Australia, I'd like to talk to you about it." And I go, "Oh, just as it happens, uh, I've got a radio show. Come on, Bob." <laughs> and so his people spoke to our people, and he uh, we got we flew down to Melbourne for his first show, and he gave us the one-hour media exclusive. Didn't do any press while he was here. Gave us the one hour, sat us down, and then he sat us in the front rows of his first show, which we then walked out of. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we stayed for like five jokes, five minutes in. Or was it that long? Oh, I don't know. I'm probably way I too long. I was a few in. wines in, and then I was like, <laughs> I'm out, I'm out, I'm not doing this. Because we did that hour, hey, where we, we, like, we were very accommodating. We were educative, nice, we were kind of giving him benefit of the doubt, giving him an opportunity to explain himself. And all he did was make excuses, denials, and offended us even more. Okay, so, he didn't so, yeah. so Edge, things are- Edge even let him press your hotkeys. I let him press my hotkeys. Um, like the, the, her magic buttons for our sound effects that we have on the show. Didn't know what that was, so sorry. Uh. <laughs> this is a joke. Um, <laughs> but so we did all that stuff, which is fine. Anyway, but we finished, you know, we, we we took a photo afterwards. We were like, okay, you know, this is this is where it's at. Because the thing was, he revealed himself. We didn't have yeah. to drag him. Yeah. He, just he just wanted the photo. That. Yes, yeah. yeah. I don't know what he wanted, really. I don't understand what, yeah, anyway. Well, I, I appreciated that he faced some Aboriginal when he came here. And, mm. and you know, that, I, I respected that because mm. I think I underestimated what he was coming into. Yeah. Um, and I think he realised too far in that the strategy was wrong, but he couldn't yeah. backtrack from it in the middle of this, yeah. this recorded thing. Yeah. But what got me was that, so he had his set prepared. We do our thing with him. It's all fine. It's, it's a reasoned conversation. He does his show where he speaks about the experience kind of in a veiled way, mm. but he's he mimicked the people who were angry at him about the joke and was very, like, like animalistic in his depiction yeah. of the critique he got. Mm. And you've got three Aboriginal women sitting there who just spent an hour with you talking in a reasoned way mm. with facts and trying to appeal to him to see our humanity, our femininity, our beauty, our, you know, strength. And he like aped us on stage where we had such, and we had ringside seats to his show. You know, like, that was an insult. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what we got up and walked out. Did but he, he, he started Did he see yeah. Did he see you walk oh, out? Oh, yeah. 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 The yeah. whole stadium saw us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like Dave Chappelle, he came to Australia to do jokes for white people. Yeah. Mm. And mm. the whole first set was about Bali. Uh, him go to Bali. Yeah, and getting so done. you know who the market was. <laughs> yeah, you like Dave Chappelle did like koala and didgeridoo jokes when he came here. He didn't do any of his racism connoisseur jokes. Yeah. yeah. So they come to this place buying into the myth that this is a white Australia. So you reckon, um, and that's when these fellas listen. You reckon they need to take a more Ed Sheeran approach? <laughs> I'll put on a T-shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when Drake came to Australia, Drake came to Australia, he's obviously said to his 23-year-old publicist, look, I'm going to start with, started from the bottom, now we're here. So I need you to put me in an underdog jersey. And they put him in a Wallabies. <laughs> he wore a Wallabies jersey, jersey on stage in Sydney. I was like, mate. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. But no. yes, it's true. 
No one, work, <laughs> no one working for you ever heard of the Rabbitohs? Or I don't know. Oh, yeah, I guess God. all eight people who still go to the Wallabies, you know, they were Rabbitohs. <laughs> you know. Really took the underdog thing a bit too far there. They haven't yeah. won against New Zealand in about 10 years. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, particularly with the, the news cycle that is. And um, Dr. Bond, I know you were on the drum as well. That's just the... That was the, an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the right thing to do for, for the Australian media or for the Batuta Advocate radio show to, to get some black voices, to get some black female voices on to talk about these things. There's another conversation that's happening now where every single black person in Australia is just getting DM'd by every single white person they know asking for, like, you know, kind of relying on uh, your emotional labour to help guide them yeah. through these uncertain times. Is that really doing your head in? Do you have, like... Do you know, do you have that bloke you went to school with who's like, hey, Chelsea, just quickly, um, with this whole Black Lives Matters thing, what's your mm. opinion as uh, something or other? How, sh- <laughs> how should I be feeling to make myself feel better? Um, uh, people know me well enough by now not to slide in my DMs for that kind of work because uh, they don't want to know my answer. That's the thing. <laughs> um, but what, what has made me wise is some of the, the media interest um, and, you know, when you suddenly get called on, um, to comment on things, and I have to say, I think I've got the most calls around Chris Lilly in the yeah, last twenty four hours. So forget, forget, forget the police stop? brutality. We want to know. <laughs> if, <laughs> we want to know if we're still allowed to laugh at, at a forty year old pretending to be a sixteen year old Tongan. Are we allowed to laugh at that? Or yeah, oh. between Chris Lilly and the statues, like that's I've just suddenly mm. been inundated with people going. But what about the statues? And I had a conversation this morning with some show where they were like. When will this end? You're suggesting taking down statues and it's concrete. It's just a rock. It's, a yeah. it's just a rock. It's just a rock. And and I'm like, is is twenty twenty not shitty enough in that we have week, to explain this stuff still? Yeah. One week it's gone from George Floyd to um a statue. Yeah, as long as yeah. I don't touch Artie Beats in out front of Suncorp, everyone's all right, okay? Uh, <laughs> or, 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 or the Bee Gees up in Redcliffe. We can't forget the fact that the Bee Gees, <laughs> the Bee Gees lived in Redcliffe for 18 months. Sorry, Latrell Mitchell didn't want to sign with the Titans. Um, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. He rode a scooter at 1am in the morning. Riding a scooter now is shameful. And so we had to pull the receipts on Uncle Mel and his episode at 1am in the morning at a Brisbane pub. Yes. Uh, which made headlines. Oh, yeah. Down under bar. Yeah, easily yeah. Googleable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am liking the moment, though, where black women are doing the labour right now, locally and globally. Sam thought I just coming. Like I was saying, doing the labour and just dragging people. Yeah. Like, no one's safe. Mm. Raps are getting ripped up left, right, and centre. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. there is this is a moment where people go, you know what? While we're here, I'm going to call this out too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we need more. Of, I mean, we make a show out of it, but it's exciting to see just people coming in, just like calling stuff out and just being staunch. Mm. 
as Queen's, you know, Murray's always been staunchy. And you see yes. a lot of the ones that are uh, on the front line, a lot of them are Murray's. That's it. You see the racism research, research I lose the t- use the term loosely, from ANU about, oh, my God, three out of four Australians have unconscious bias. <laughs> um, you really just start laughing. You just <laughs> one, of the, one of the key findings was it was particularly bad in Queensland and WA. Um, <laughs> 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 funding for that research. <laughs> yeah. A couple of other stats you can run alongside that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, this, this racism's fun. Yeah. I mean, it must feel great recruiting new people every day. You haven't got Sam Thider yet, obviously. We, we won't go there, but... Um, uh, We've traded him. Yeah, no. Who'd you trade him Who'd for? Who'd you trade him for Paul Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly? I don't know. Yeah. The, great, the great white hope of, of Peter Garrett, that, that myth that was dispelled years ago, so mm. Paul Kelly. Yeah. We're trading. We're not, um, we're not yeah. buying them all. No. We haven't got time to, to, to take people along in their journeys. You're either, you're either in it or not. As a, as a white person, I have to say, that is not a fair trade. Sam Thiday for Paul <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> we'll let you have this one. <laughs> no, no, stop it. Being too kind. Thank you for your emotional labour today and joining yep. the Batuta Advocate radio show. And, of course, every Friday, Wild Black Women uh, online, <laughs> And if you're in Queensland or if you're in the beautiful southeast corner, Australia's Tuscany, they call it, <laughs> Brisbane. <laughs> no, they don't. You, you can, you can join. Yeah, you can live stream us live or yeah, yeah. podcast us, whatever. But no, um, thank you to you fellas um, yeah. for making us laugh this morning because goodness knows we've needed it. But also just making us laugh all the time. But this, this is the, the nature of this place. Yeah, that yeah, we need to laugh. At, yeah. Um, some of this nonsense and yeah so thank you for us what you do yeah thank, thank you. you good allies and now <laughs> up next kev comedy on wild black <laughs> but that is one of the pros of your platform i guess on country music radio wild black women also reaches a lot of truck drivers who just want to hear the next song by adam brand so uh yeah. it's it's it's, it's, and it's I'm great the daughter of a truck driver so i know all about trucking racism yeah, uh, yeah, right. My <laughs> dad two- brought it home with him each day after work. On the two-way? Um, yeah. yeah, so I know those people. Yeah, <laughs> I know those people. Uh, and, and they're, you know, they're staying strong, aren't they? <laughs> they, love, they love us. They love us. Yeah. They, they certainly listen. <laughs> That's right. I hate listening. I love people who hate listening to us. <laughs> I know. Our, our very first, when we first started, our very first lot of complaints, they're just laughing at us. They're just <laughs> laughing at white people. I'm not going to tune in again until next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am <laughs> not listening <laughs> to that radio <laughs> station until they're <laughs> <on>. <laughs> was the complaints that was, was us laughing. So what we did is we then read out the complaints on air to violins and laughed some more. <laughs> violins is a nice touch. I'm sure that really got them yes. well, wound them up. Between violins and the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the complaint, yeah. Well, if you want to hear more of this, you want to hear the violins uh, in in full force, you, you can find Wild Black Women online or, yeah, as we said, on the radio. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Chelsea Bond. Thank you, Angelina Hurley. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much.